What to Know podcast explores best practices, innovation, and latest trends with industry experts with an eye toward helping you, the listener, stay ahead of the ever-changing marketing and communications landscape. Good afternoon. This is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O Group and the host of the What to Know podcast show. I am sitting here in uh, downtown San Francisco in the offices of Coffee Meets Bagel. You'll find out more about that in a second. I have the pleasure today of interviewing Dawoon Kong, who is the co-CEO, uh, co-founder, and head of marketing for the company. Welcome, Dawoon. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Aaron. It's my pleasure. And uh, I want to kick off, I, I'm always impressed at how degreed and, and sort of motivated <laughs> a lot of the folks that we talk to, especially folks that are in the startup world. But uh, you did spend time at the University of Melbourne, University of Pennsylvania, and as that was enough, then you did your B-School at Stanford. Um, after that, you did your first job at Avon. You were yeah. an analyst, not a mm-hmm. you know selling Avon makeup door to door. And then you moved into a VP role at J.P. Morgan. Let's just talk a little bit about at what point you and your sisters, because I think you co-founded this with two of your sisters. Yeah. What point did it dawn on you? Like, I think I've got an idea, or we've got an idea, and we'd like to go for it. Yeah. So my sisters and I actually grew up in a very entrepreneurial setting. So my dad. Uh, started his company uh, right out of college with his brother. Uh, it's a recycling metal business in Korea. And my mom also ran a few small businesses, uh, restaurants and bars um, in the, so I guess like food and beverage space. And so, uh, you know, being an entrepreneur was a concept that was very familiar to us. And we grew up thinking at some point, hey, the three of us could get together and start something great and fun. Um, but I, at the same time, I think like our traditional kind of Asian uh, values and, you know, tendency kind of kicked in. So we, like you mentioned, um, you know, took a pretty fairly traditional path, I guess you could say, uh, collecting all these fancy degrees, which made my Asian parents very happy. Uh, we also worked at, you know, very large corporations. Um, and about five years ago, my sister, my twin sister graduated from her business school. And um, that was when we decided, hey, you know, we've always just talked about being an entrepreneur. I think, you know, between the three of us now, we have 30 plus years of experience. We feel really ready. Uh, you know, it's a risky thing that you have to do. And as you get older, it's our family, it makes it harder. So this feels like the right timing, and that's when we decided we'll just um, take that leap of faith. Well, that's awesome. And uh, I guess the question I have is, I believe you raised somewhere around $8 million, 7.8 uh, back in 15. Was there any concern by the investors that it was a family-run business, or was that a strength in their minds? You know, I think it kind of worked both ways. Um, we've heard from some of the investors that, being a family member, uh, as a a co-founding team, um, some people just don't want to deal with that. And I I think there was only one investor that explicitly told us that, like, I feel nervous about investing in a family business. And I totally, it's unfortunate, but I understood their concern. And um, there are some investors, I'm sure, who would have made a decision to not fund us. Maybe that was a factor, but they never told us. Um, also, at the same time, it also worked for, to our advantage. There are also investors out there who really actually think this is better because among the family members, there's just a certain, certain level of trust, respect, um, and willingness to work together that a lot of co-founding teams don't have. And having that is so critical. A lot of companies, 
actually a lot of startups when i see the reason why they fail um, mostly it's because one they can't find product market fit or co-founding team just don't know how to get along anymore and they just implode um, and give up so speaking of marketing or market fit uh, you are the head of marketing for the company Let's hear what your elevator pitch is. I know what the app does, and I love the name, by the way. So, you know, if someone were to come up to you on the street and say, what is it that you do, what, what would you tell them? Um, well, I'm going to not give you the elevator pitch and give you a little bit of like a, a background as to where we started and where we are now, because it actually has evolved quite a bit. So when we first started Coffee Meets Bagel five years ago, our mission was to become the best dating app for a woman. And the reason why we um, landed on that is because the insight that led us to start Coffee Meets Bagel was the fact that a lot of problems in dating apps um, stem from the fact that there are just a lot more men than women using the app. Uh, on any given day, um, the, the ratio could be as lopsided as 85% versus 15, 15% women. So 85% men and 15% women. And that's because, one, generally a lot more men sign up. And plus, they're twice as more active than women. Um, and so what happens is guys are frustrated because they don't hear back. They engage in behaviors like spamming or saying something just to elicit some response. Um, women get creeped out. They even log in even less. And then it's a vicious cycle. So if you really want to provide the best experience for everyone, of course, I'm talking about straight community here. Um, for some of our gay users, of course, more men, the better. Um, and uh, then we really need to create a product experience and branding that really speaks to women. Um, and that's why we've decided to focus on delivering on quality and safety, which we know are two most important things that women care about when it comes to dating. And um, I'm really proud to say that we are actually one of the three dating apps out there, of all the dating apps um, that have more women than men and have the most number of women that in among the millennial dating apps. And we're con consistently voted number one dating app for um, singles who are looking for relationship. Um, right now, uh, what we are actually focused on is the fact that like, even though we are the best dating app out there, um, online dating kind of quote unquote sucks for most singles. Like it feels really hard and frustrating. And um, we've now shifted our focus to thinking about, hey, how can we actually deliver and create, um, let our users experience real connections on the app instead of having to um, have them wait until they meet up? Because the reason why online dating feels so hard is because they're not experiencing emotional connection on the app. So that's what we are really focused on, like creating um, authentic connections in the app experience. So I want to drill down on that a little bit. I think um, doing some research on you guys, uh, you mentioned that there's a research professor, uh, Bren or Brené Brown. Brené Brown. Yep, mm -hmm. she's uh, at the University of Houston. And you talked about um, the importance of connections and vulnerability, and I was really sort of touched by that. So how do you work something like that into the app and maybe even into the algorithms of an app, something that's so technical and really looking at all these different data points and yeah. then allowing people to be vulnerable in a place where, quite frankly, I'm guessing it's sort of hard to be yeah, vulnerable. Yeah, totally, totally. It's scary to be to kind of let yourself be seen among strangers that you don't really know. You don't, you don't know what they're going to think or what they're going to say. Um, just quickly on Brene Brown, she's probably one of the most renowned uh, researcher in the space of connection, in the, in the area of connection. And um, 
really her, her research boils down to the fact that if you really want to experience real connection, that starts with real sharing, really having the courage to let yourself be seen. And um, going back to our this new vision of like creating and um, fostering authentic connection on the app, we thought a lot about how do we get uh, people to feel safe about sharing about themselves and feel that it's like fun and spontaneous. Um, one of the newest feature that we released under that goal is our video feature, which actually just launched about two weeks ago. And um, again, creating video is you're sharing a lot more than you know putting together a very curated profile. You pick out the photos that you want to you want to share. You pick out the carefully the words that you want to share, versus having to speak in front of camera very spontaneously. It's a whole nother ball game, and it could feel very scary. But um, that's actually how you end up experiencing real connection with the people on the app, right? And so we actually thought a lot about how do we make this video creation really fun and easy. So the way it works is instead of giving them broad questions like, tell me about yourself, which is like, I don't, I wouldn't really know what to say, right? We give them a daily prompt. So every day you get a really fun daily prompt that's as easy as something like, where did you meet your best friend? What is on your bucket list? Uh, and you have up to eight seconds to record that video. We don't allow any pre-recorded videos to be uploaded. You actually have to create like right then and there because we want you to be spontaneous. And then you just upload um, and see how many people actually respond or see your um, videos. That was th So that is like our first attempt at getting people to really share about themselves. And it's been received really, really well. Well, it's a good thesis because I think you're right. It's hard to, we all know we've seen people with their perfect profile pics and the filters. And if you're doing a video, then you sort of get a pretty good sense of what someone looks like, how they speak, how they think. But I also love that idea of drawing them out with those curated questions, things that make people at ease, right? They're a little bit easier to answer. Yeah. And you know, my, um, my thesis on the future of online dating is that uh, future of online dating is where people get to experience emotional connection, like I said, on the app and not after you meet. It's almost like meeting before you meet. And by the time you actually physically meet, you already kind of know, you, you feel like you know this person. So there is no disappointment. There is no ghosting. Um, there's more accountability to some people you feel connected to. So that, that's, that's what we're trying to create. Well, that also makes a nice segue into this next piece. Um, you announced in January that you were starting to leverage some of the technology from Spotify and Yelp, right? So people like music and if you yeah. know what music both of you like in common, that's mm -hmm. helpful. Or if you know what types of restaurants you like. And I believe this led to two different apps, one called Mixtapes, mm -hmm. love the name of it. Um, I just rewatched the um, movie, uh, what is it called, with John Cusack. Um, of course, I'm blanking on that right now. So. <laughs> and then uh, Date Spots, which, you know, helps people better understand this. So, you know, talk a little bit about that process of pulling this in and how has that worked out so far? Yeah. Um, so Mixtape mixed and Date Spots were two apps that were actually separate from CMB apps. And so it's not with not like you can't experience it in the app right now. So it's a completely different platform. And um, what it does is uh, to give background to the listeners, Mixtape basically lets you um, create playlists of songs that you and your date or your bagel, um, in our case, we, we call um, having comments. So you can actually talk about it. Oh, you listen to this too, uh, Alabama Shakes. Um, and the and date spot is, you know, one of the most common kind of problems 
uh, that a lot of online dating users have is like they don't they all always end up going to the same spot. They don't really know um, where to take their dates to because we all we go on a lot of first dates, right? And so how do you actually make that experience more fun and easier? So that was kind of the genesis of um, those two two uh, initiative. Um, the adoption actually wasn't as great as we thought. And a lot of it actually has to do with the fact that it lives outside the app. I mean, ideally, the post-connection experience, like when I say post-connection, like what happens after you match on the, on the app? Because these are issues that you know, are addressed like after you find somebody, right? Um, it's so seamless that, you know, you match on CMB and then as you're conversing, all this, all these things just come up, right. For you to be able to use right away instead of having to stop and then go to this other, other platform and then use it and then come back. I mean, it's just a very, it's not a very seamless experience. And so, um, I think the, the concept and the need is like the value proposition is like really strong, but we have to execute it in a way that is more seamless for the users. Well, it makes sense. And I, I think using data is fantastic. And obviously those are two, as you said, music is important to making the match work and, and certainly location. High Fidelity, by the way, was the name of the oh, movie. Cool. Why I was thinking about it is this sort of predates you a little bit, I'm guessing, <laughs> age-wise. But, you know, people used to make mixtapes. Right. They'd take their albums or eventually their CDs yeah. and they would, you know, make these special tapes. I guess you could do it with a Spotify yeah, yeah, playlist yeah. now, right? But um, no, anyway, I did want... it doesn't predate me. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always hard to know. And, and now, you know, uh, with albums making a comeback and, you know, I'm guessing people will start using cassette tapes in some way, probably more uh, high-fidelity uh, audio tapes. But... Yeah. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about on your LinkedIn profile, you do mention that you're hiring. And so I like the fact that, you know, it's a nice way as people look you up to say, oh, that's interesting. Maybe I'll check them out. Any tips that you have? Because I know not just for San Francisco, but any of the hot tech markets, you're fighting against the, the large companies here. We have certainly people like Facebook and Salesforce and Twitter. You know, what do you do and what does your company do to really help bring in the best talent possible? You know, I think it takes a um, lot of things. Um, one is it takes creativity. So in a market, you're right, like there's a talent war here. And um, in a market like this, you just have to be really creative about the sources, uh, creative and very proactive about um, your sourcing. And um, we have a recruiting uh, uh, team member who's dedicated to sourcing and she uses like LinkedIn and we also try to tap into um, people outside of San Francisco. One of the things that's huge at our company right now is what we call Project Elevate and it's to make um, any kind of remote working seamless and almost as if you're working at the office. Um, it takes a lot of work and actually discipline and investment to make that happen for uh, members here at the headquarter office to feel connected to people who are working remotely and vice versa uh, for us to all like uh, working effectively like it, it takes training so for example to get people to one like always dial in ahead of the meeting start time like sometimes you forget uh, making sure the volume is there like this camera setup and all those things actually um, is a requirement in order to make remote uh, working culture possible and so we're actually spending a ton of resources developing that we're opening up our uh, we actually just opened up seattle office um and we're probably going to do the same in new york you just have to be very relentless about um, not limiting yourself to like geographically or um 
you know, background wise too, we're very open to talking to people of all kinds of background as long as they can actually do the job and have all the values that we think is important. We want to consider them. Um, so I think that's really big. The other thing is just being really um, relentless about sharing your vision. You know, I think a lot of us here um, who are very talented, like they don't get drawn, like, you know, being able to have certain benefit and salary and whatever, those those are diamond dozen, right? And, you know, comp-wise, for example, like there's no way we can actually compete with like Facebooks and the Googles of the world. Um, and, you know, how do you tap into the emotional um uh, need of these uh, people like how do we form an emotional connection well you have to be really relentless about sharing your vision um, and, and make and that also makes sure that people who are actually bought in and enthusiastic about what we're trying to accomplish and the world that we're trying to create to actually come in um, instead of you know people joining for some other reason so I think those two are really critical well, that's a great answer, and I love the fact that you, it sounds like, are open to hiring remotely, so you tap talent across the country and probably across the world, but you touched on a really important thing, which I think people do forget about, is it is hard to fold people in. We have the technology, but just because you have the technology doesn't ensure that you can make those emotional connections and that, you know, you do have to make sure the cameras are working and it does yeah, take time yeah, on yeah. both sides, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So we now have, like, one, for example, like, dedicated desk that's kind of just always on people just go to to dial in people um and, and like we've been really surprised as we've done a lot, lot of research a lot of companies just like survive quote unquote um remote technology They're, like everybody's having issue it's probably there's a need for innovation here um it's just like co conference system that like just gets hung up or the volumes aren't working like it's just not that great and so i think it's a definitely work in progress well, good, good for you for doing that. I do want to ask one sort of off script question, then we'll get into a couple of the more personalized questions for you that we talked about. Um, as an entrepreneur and someone clearly that thinks deeply about these things, what's a piece of advice that you would give fellow entrepreneurs or people that want to go down this path? Maybe they started in a more traditional company and are now thinking about making yeah. that leap. For, you know, being an entrepreneur is a mental journey. It's uh, you kind of like I don't want to say the use I don't want to use the word fighting but that's what comes to me right now like fighting yourself fighting your doubts um fighting the temptation to ha to like want to wanting to do everything fighting the temptation to feel like you know um making yourself wrong like for not having done certain things certain way um you know fighting fear of failure really like more than anything else I think you have to invest in your mind like just almost like you go to the gym you 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 work out your muscle and it just becomes stronger and stronger and i think a lot of us forget that your mind needs the same thing your mind needs to get stronger and stronger um if as you take on bigger and bigger problem there's gonna be more um stuff that you're gonna have to deal with and if you're not exercising your mind it's just uh, it's not going to be pretty. I like that answer. And so thank you. And you're right. I, I can imagine I've worked at a couple of startups myself and it is really that mental toughness and digging in that's, that's hard. No, I think like, you, you know what people say, um, you are kind of like your biggest enemy, right? And um, all these self-doubts that you're going to, I mean, at least that's, that's my experience. Um, and I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of you who can relate to this, I, I hope. 
um, and you you're you're the one who's going to stop yourself from you know thinking big uh, going after that because it just feels scary and so if you don't um, if you can actually if you actually can dream big and believe that you can actually do it there's going to be so many actions that open up for you that um, I really think anyone can do this it's just getting over that that fear um, that you create for yourself. I sound like Tony Robbins. <laughs> no, it's, it's good advice. And clearly you're, you're living that, uh, that day to day. So this is where I like to get into a little bit more about, you know, the guests personally. And one of the questions I like to always ask is, you know, who's influencing the influencers. And so over the course of your life, you know, who's inspired you? It sounds like obviously your dad and your uncle have been one of those, but anybody else that comes to mind and, and certainly, uh, uh, the professor that we have here, um, I'm sorry, Brown, Professor Brown. Yep. Um, anybody else that comes to mind? Yeah. Well, um, my dad, of course, he's probably the uh, one person who has had the most profound impact on me. And not only just on um, career things, but the value of family, um, not taking anything for granted, humility, uh, being contribution to the world, like all those things really came from my dad. And those are the, um, those are really at the end of the day, things that drive me. Um, so his influence is huge. And, you know, it's been 30 plus years since he started his own business and he's still at it uh, day in and day out, like always thinking about how he can do more, what he can do for his, his, his um, employees a lot of the employees that he has actually have, have been with him for 30 plus years, like the entire um, history of the company, which is really something. Um, actually, most recently, what I, this is not a person, but uh, most recent mind building kind of program that I actually am very heavily involved is this thing called Landmark. Um, I don't know if you heard of it, but if... Um, People are interested in my building. Like I definitely encourage everyone to check it out. It's um, going back to what I said about like what is the most important thing when it comes to become becoming or successful entrepreneurship. Well, you, you have to, it has to be mind building, and this program has really helped me um, get over my fear and is continuing to help me. So um, yeah, that's been pretty big for me. Great. Well, we'll have to bookmark that and uh, include it. We do a the blog post that wraps around, it, and then we also syndicate it onto. Stitcher and iTunes. So we'll make sure that we make note of that. Um, so next question is, I just like to find out, you know, from a book's perspective, helping people build their libraries, kind of like the mixtape of the, uh, the written world, any books that you've read over the last year, either business books or history books or anything that's inspired. Yeah. You? Oh, so many, um, a big, uh, one of the books that I recently read is called beyond the cloud, um, by Mark Benioff of Salesforce. Um, I think he's such an incredible, um, like in all fronts, like the fact that he started Salesforce with the, um, with such huge vision, even when they had nothing and, um, they've made like doing good, you know, the Salesforce foundation, um, you know, one person equity committed to that. Like, again, from the very beginning, uh, I think that model is very inspiring, um, I think he's a genius marketer, like the, the, you know, no software campaign that he launched is just so on point and, um, just lands, uh, even for people, I mean, I'm not even in B2B business and it's just like so entertaining and easy for me to understand as well. Uh, so it has like, I don't know, a hundred different tips that he actually writes out very concrete. 
Another one that also has helped me, this is more tactical, is um, it's called How to Have a Good Day, um, which was written by this um, uh, ex-McKinsey consultant. And it has very like tangible tips about how to manage your almost like schedule, like day to day, so that you can have a more productive and happier um, uh, day at work. I like both of those a lot. And I think especially the first one, I'm a big fan of Mark Benioff and I'll have to check that out. So thank you for sharing those. So finally, the last question, this should be an easy one, but um, we've talked a little bit about music. You're stuck on a deserted island. You can only listen to one album. What is that album and why? Oh, man. Um, That's so hard because I always, I get sick of (laughs) one album very quickly. But I think if I were to choose, it would be, um, Yo-Yo Ma, um, there is a particular Yo-Yo Ma's album that has like the best, it, it, I forgot the actual album name, but it's, it's pretty old, but it had like collection of all these like best songs, um, to date. It has a lot of like, uh, Esther Piazzolla, uh, uh, collaboration that he did, uh, which has like Latin flavor. Um, it has some songs from some movies like Crouching Tiger, which I really, uh, it, which is very moving for me. Um, yeah, so that would be it. I'm always fascinated to hear how people answer. And it's interesting because one of the interviews that will come out after yours with Mike Marinello, who is the head of communications at Turner Broadcast, uh, he answered with a similar different artists, but it was that idea of sort of being able to take the best of, right, and sort of have something that stays interesting over time. Well, I have to thank you. Um, This was a lot of fun. And so this is Aaron Strout, CMO of W2O Group. Uh, I'm the host of the What to Know podcast show. And today we had the pleasure of sitting down with Dawoon Kong, who is the co-CEO, co-founder, and head of marketing for Coffee Meets Bagel. Thank you, Dawoon. Great. Thanks for having me. Want more episodes of the What to Know podcast? We post a new episode every Thursday. Check them out on iTunes, the podcast app, and the podcast page at w2ogroup.com backslash what to know.